I would like to scan all of you in this room, one at a time. I must remind you that the scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. I know that you've all been prepared for this, but I thought I'd just remind you just the same. Uh, there is one other thing. No one is to leave this room once the demonstration has begun. Now, I'd, I'd like you to think of something specific, something that will not breach the security of your organization, and that you will not object to having disclosed to this group. Something uh, personal, perhaps. Yes, I have something. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. to the nightclub where we are the ones who will blow your mind i'm your host travis maxaboon and i'd like to begin this evening by scanning each and every one of you i'm joined by my co-host hi it's me uh king longshanks the third what he what he really means is uh king no, I'm, oh, fuck, I'm King Dirt Castle or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, you're King Gator. What happened to that? Uh, I'm King Longshanks the third or something today. The guy what's from a, Braveheart. What's a shank, by the way? Like when you refer to Longshanks, is that their legs? I think I think that's a leg. Yeah, okay. I think that's like a like leg meat. So oh. I'm King Long Leg Meat. <laughs> and I know it's somebody me. I know somebody who might want to chomp on some some long leg meat. Uh, <laughs> we've got we've got returning to the podcast our fucking good friend what's up buddy if i have to be referred to somebody through this whole thing i want to be called dr ruth that's that's just what i want to do I, right on dr ruth i totally forgot about that and god damn did that make me laugh oh dr ruth yeah <laughs> Listeners will know that that is our pal Grindhouse Zombie. He is jumping back in the saddle uh, again, um, yeah, burping his shit on the mic. Yeah, baby. Um, listeners might notice a slight increase in quality 
and also some ambient train passing by noises because my microphone is possibly going to pick it up, but I'm, I'm using We're a selling new, out. Yeah. Yeah. Where, I mean, dude, th- this is as, this is as sellout as you can get on a necro budget. So we're not good anymore. We're posers now. Yeah. Well, we got Mr. Corporate man who, who just like sh- fucking started showing up and now we're, we're, you know, assimilating. Yeah, the night cl- we have gone from the mysterious Dom Sathanas directly to a grand declaration of war. Instead of the nightclub, it's the night corporation now. The night corp. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grindhouse. You, you sleazy like demartini, you. And again, a wholly, a wholly owned subsidiary of Zombie uh, Incorporated. So. Yes. Yes, indeed. We all, we all know this goddamn shit by now. <laughs> you know what? You know what never gets old? And and we don't do it a fuck enough. We need to resurrect this this shit from the dead. This zombie needs to climb out the fucking grave tonight. We have for all you lovely folks some more of Ricky's ripping ribs. Oh shit! All right, I'm gonna kick us off tonight. I've got how um, many you got? I've got two. Two recommendations. Okay, okay, cool. That's what I got too. Uh, so the first one, I actually received this cassette, limited cassette oh. in the mail. What? What's that? What? You Whoa. know what I'm saying, huh? Whoa! This, this shit is fucking dope. Um, I posted pictures of it on the Instagram or all well slasher fit Facebook and Instagram a while back. But this album is called Mar by Welk. They are a German black metal band. This shit is brutal and atmospheric in the darkest of ways. Like I, I I don't know, man. It's also like it, it it's not like their previous EP. This is an EP, by the way. Um, Mar and the previous one that that I really love. It's more focused and I think more a little bit more anthemic and driving as to where the other one meandered, but not in a bad way. It's just sometimes the music would 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 breathe a little bit more on the previous album. This one, not so much, man. It's just it's it's right in there. There's a few spots where you can breathe for a second. But besides that, it's just straight fucking you. It's just straight fucking yours, and it's awesome. If you haven't checked them out, they have a band camp, uh, Welk, W-E-L-K. There will be links in the show notes to all of these recommends. So if any listener wants to check this album out, uh, it's going to be right there, right in your little fucking phone. Just go click it, and you just be like, oh, shit, this this is too intense. Thanks, t <laughs> talked about how I recently got back into Warhammer 40k um, and that kind of got me delving back into some of the music that I used to listen to when I was first diving into death metal back in high school and whatnot so this band Bolt Thrower they're well known in the circle they're beloved so I recently delved back into them and this album from 1991, Warmaster, fucking rips. That's Bolt Thrower, okay? You What's don't... cool is, like, the majority of their, at least their older music, is, like, based on the universe of 40K. Mm. So it's all just 
really blow them up grim dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, bitch. Yeah, and and like their artwork on their albums is actually a lot of it, especially the old stuff, is actually done by some of the artists at uh, Games Workshop who do crazy paintings and whatnot for the actual game. But anyway, yeah, Warmaster by Ball Thrower. It's hella fun. It's hella fun. It's like thrashy. It's got some grindiness to it. It's got like some doomy parts in it. It's got a sick groove. So you really get, you get a lot for just saying, okay, I'm going to go listen to some old school death metal. All right, let me put in Bolt Thrower. You've got riffs galore. You've got brutal vocals that are, in my opinion, really easy, like really friendly on the ear. Like you can, like my wife would be able to understand what these guys are saying for the most part. Um, so that's a plus for some people. Is there a single bolt that's thrown on the record, though? Oh, uh, I don't believe there are. Motherfucker. God damn it. Sons of bitches. They're selling out like us. Yeah, you know. Well, no, they, they waited till later. But they, they, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Warmaster. And I would say highlight tracks would be Shreds of Sanity, Profane Creation, Cenotaph, and, of course, our title track, Warmaster. Hashtag old school death metal. Grindhouse, give us your first recommendation of the evening. Well, this one for me is, it was a band that I had heard of, but I hadn't connected with. And I heard one of their songs on the radio. And for me, it was one of those things where I heard the song like just at the right time in my life. And when I heard it, like it was just, you know, it just, it grabbed me and it pulled me in. So the the band is a day to remember. Um, the, the album is Homesick from 2009. The first song I heard was called The Downfall of Us All. Um, and that that song just, for me, so it's like I'm, it's 2009, I'm two years off of a divorce. Everything just kind of sucks. I'm just kind of tread water and just getting by and whatever else. And I heard that song. And then so then I went out and I looked for the album and I, and I eventually found it. And if you follow the album, and maybe not completely chronologically, it actually, the album walked me through <clears throat> getting divorced and everything that kind of happened to me and all the things that I was just dealing with and feeling with. And like even getting to the very end, it's like the end of the album is not, um, the, the last song is called If It Means A Lot To You. It's not a happy song, but it really summed up what was happening to me. And it, like, it helped me kind of take everything that was happening to me and like collate it into one thing. And it helped me get through it and like put it behind me like once and for all I had a number of nights where it was like I put that album on and I'd have a couple of cocktails and I'd fucking feel bad about myself and my life sucks and then just one day it's like I woke up and it was like well shit you know today is a new day so it, it, it literally helped me like pick myself up and go you know what you still got shit to do you still got shit to live for there's a life to be had stop feeling sorry for yourself and fucking get on with it you know and so that's what that one did for me Tell that we so bad. I'd rather watch you stay. Why would I feel like so unmeaning? Why is this happening? 
I think I'm going to be listening to that record at some point. Um, my my next recommend, my my last recommend for the night. I've been I've been uh re-listening to this EP, so I got two EPs for everyone tonight. This is from 2001. I always go back to this EP. I don't know why, but it, it's a Modest Mouse EP. Everywhere in his nasty parlor tricks. It's a beautiful, strange, experimental, and definitely dark by its own merits. Um, little Jim. You've got songs like Night on the Sun. You've got Willful Suspension of Disbelief, which has this awesome like record, like you drop the record needle intro. It literally has that sound at the beginning of the song, and then it just goes... It's really hard to describe, because you could call Modest Mouse an alternative rock band, but if you listen to that EP, I dare you to label it anything, because it's so all over the place with their styles. It's it, it, it's it's an amazing piece of music. Like to me, everything they do is. But I just have to. I just got to throw that recommend out there for everybody. If you if you want to go on a little journey that doesn't take too long, I mean, hey, there you go. Everywhere in his nasty parlor tricks is going to be the thing that takes you there. The air, an experimental song from them that has basically no vocals. That's a rarity for Modest Mouse, and it's a great fucking track. Track three is. Three Inch Horses, Two-Faced Monsters. Very experimental song. You could call it like dark, folky blues with just trippy fucking vocals. I don't know, man. It's, it's, It's crazy. And the whole thing culminates with I Came as a Rat, which is a song about reincarnation it's a great little ep i want to say both eps that i've recommended tonight it's a fucking 10 it's a 10 Like I said, I've been jamming. I've been on that bolt thrower pretty hard. But something else that I returned to from back in uh, around high school, uh, actually in high school from 2004, Zayo or Zao. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. I've heard so many people pronounce it both of those ways. But it's Z-A-O. And the album is called The Funeral of God. This is some of that early 2000s well hell even mid to late 90s metalcore but in uh, 2004 they released this it's probably their highest quote unquote quality sounding stuff like it's not noisy in production and it definitely was trying to be more of a product of the time you know what I mean like they were trying to do more like what a lot of the other bands were doing but still in their own way it more it's more it's metalcore but it's more in the vein of like converge than uh, kill switch engage and Zao is a band that has been in the scene forever and they have been playing <laughs> they, they've been playing the uh, Christian metal and punk circuit for forever they're one of those bands that that Christian metalcore and punk from the uh, 2000s 
really just kind of hit different. And this album is a perfect example of that. It is bleak. It is heavy as all get out. It is gnarly. It is nasty. It's got some sick groove. It's got some fun punk thrashy riffs. It's got some uh, heavy breakdowns, some nasty, harsh vocals, some nice melody, some melodic elements to it, some melodic vocals. And like I said, it's just a very bleak album. The, The lyrical content in particular is very bleak and really sick and awesome especially considering at the time they were still considering themselves a Christian band, which kind of makes me hilarious. What well, kind of makes me hilarious, I can't <laughs> talk. Kinda, which makes me laugh. Highlight some of the highlight tracks for me are uh, Breath of the Black Muse, The Rising End, Live from the Funeral of God, The Lesser Lights of Heaven, and I Lay Sleepless in My Grave. Okay, for those, me, those, those are track some titles the, are fucking awesome. Yeah, and like I said, man, this this at this at this point in their career, they were still considering themselves a Christian band on that Christian metalcore circuit. Like I said, that, that 2000s era stuff, to the Christian stuff from back then hit different. It really did. Now they're a Muslim band and they don't fuck with that haram. That's it. Everything's haram to them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's The Funeral of God from 2004 by Zao or Zao. That's Z-A-O, however it's pronounced. I don't know. I don't care. It they're don't a great matter. band. They're a great... It don't matter. I'm going to go on to my second one because... Mine's actually an EP too. This is back when I was, this is, this is 2010. And so 2010, I finally, I finally, actually it was about 2009. I got a good car finally for the first time in my life. Not some rundown piece of shit and whatever. So I got a good car, but it came with satellite radio for like, like 18 months for free. Right. Nice. So I got like exposure to all kinds of stuff. And so I heard one of these first songs and it was like, it was like so fun. I mean, so screamy, like so screamy. It was like at first it was like it just it gave me just just a fucking headache, and I was like, "What is this shit?" But then like I kind of I listened to the whole song, and then I got to the end, and then the, the the DJ or whatever the hell it was was like, "So that's this new song off of," and it was off of something called the Zombie EP. So of oh, course, oh yeah, you loved it. So you know why I like suck with it. So I, I've actually got it here. Oh. We're gonna so, see it. We're gonna so, see it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So this is this is the Devil Wears Prada. Um, oh and it, shit! And it's their zombie <laughs> EP. And what it does is through through uh, uh, five deathcore metal songs, tells the complete story of the zombie apocalypse. Oh my god! They're everywhere. And the first time you listen to it, you are not gonna understand a fucking thing they're saying. Not a goddamn thing. Um, by the second, third, fourth time, you're going to start to get it. And they are literally telling a story to this EP. It is, And it's, for me, as far as EPs go, and even moreover, as far as concept albums go, the thing is, it's fucking brilliant. It's just brilliant. 
And once you kind of get a grasp on who's singing and who's saying what and how things are going, you start to hear the story and how it plays out. And, I mean, the tracks are perfectly named. You have Escape, Anatomy, Outnumbered, Revive, and then Survivor. Those are the five tracks. And this, I just... They did it. They recently did a zombie EP two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is just me. Maybe I've gotten older. Maybe what else? I didn't like it as much. Um, but this first one, Devil Wears Prada, the zombie EP, something everybody should listen to if you like deathcore metal at all. But if you're a zombie fan, you should definitely pick it up too. I want to wrap up this um, this ripping riffs with a uh, a dedication to the singer from the Black Dahlia murder who recently yeah. passed away. Um, I believe his name is Trevor Strond. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I admit I don't know the Black Dahlia's m- music. I really don't. But from what I've read about his passing, that he shared his pain through his music and his his depression, his sadness, and. If you go listen to Necropolis, th- oh, that's another recommend for, for everyone out yeah. there. Go listen. That to- song that I've been I've been listening to Deflorate by the Black Dahlia Murder that album a lot this week. Just kind of trying to get back in, you know, like oh man, yeah, uh, f- trying to feel it, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're a great band, and I saw them uh, in New Orleans. They headlined. They played with Goat Whore. They played with, let's see, it was Goat Whore. It was Will from the Heavy Holes, uh, one of his bands. Fuck, uh, Artificial Brain. Oh, shit. It was Goat Whore. Go shout, shout out to the Heavy Hole podcast. Fucking, yeah, yeah. give me. It's basically rip it, Ricky's ripping riffs on steroids. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because Will, like, <laughs> there was hardly anyone at the front while Artificial Brain was playing, I guess, because, like, all the drunk people hadn't like poured in yet <laughs> and so like like there was only like 30 of us right there at the front of the stage jamming and like he kept trying to wave other people from like the back of the bar you know like like to come in and jam yeah, get the fuck up here and fucking rock and out bitch. and like it just never happened and it was funny because uh at the end of the set he was like Thanks to all fucking eleven of you motherfuckers <laughs> for actually coming here to have a good time tonight, you know. All that being said, oh, yeah, uh, though, it, was, it was funny. Uh, a, a special dedication to that 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 man. And if, if you got a friend in need, and you can tell, please talk to him because yeah. that that might be the conversation that saves their life. You never know.
With that being said, gentlemen, we're going to begin tonight's festivities. I have for you a brief history of the man who spearheaded science fiction into the mainstream. And it all revolves around, it doesn't all revolve around, but it kind of revolves around telepathy and telekinesis. A lot of what our midnight ritual features this evening. using a fraction of our brain. That's the idea that consumed John Wood Campbell Jr., one of the most powerful forces during the golden age of science fiction, an era in the 30s and 40s when science fiction gained popularity in the mainstream culture. Among being editor of Astonishing Science Fiction, he was also a writer, his most famous story being the novella titled Who Goes There that was later adapted for the big screen with 1951's the Thing from Another World, and, most famously, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Campbell was infatuated with the study of psionics, or potential latent powers of the human mind. The term itself was invented by science fiction writer Jack Williamson in the 1951 story The Greatest Invention, and was used to describe units of mental energy. The men who influenced him most were the godfather of cybernetics, mathematician and philosopher Norbert Weiner from MIT, parapsychologist Joseph Banks Rhine, who studied ESP at Duke University, and author Charles Fort, who was a popularizer of the paranormal. With all of these elements coming together, the culmination led to psychic characters and their psychic powers being put at the forefront of science fiction. And let, let's, let's go ahead and give our listeners a little breakdown telepathy is the supposed communication of thoughts or ideas by means other than the known senses so mind reading thought transference extrasensory perception that's all part of telepathy and some famous telepaths that we would know in pop culture or count dracula the crimson king from the dark tower series jean gray and professor xavier uh, Dr. Spock, live long and prosper, bitches. Um, Eleven from Stranger Things. Mewtwo from Pokemon. I got to throw that one in there because, you know, I grew up with it. And also because I grew up with it, Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And of course, in the horror realm, again, we've got the most famous, probably psychic user of all time, Carrie White. But the difference between telepathy and telekinesis Telekinesis, um, translated to mean distant motion, is a supposed ability to move objects at a distance by mental power or other non-physical means. So levitation, um, pyrokinesis could be part of that, like the fire starter, going back to Stephen King again, um, spoon bending, I just think of the Matrix. You can move shit with your fucking mind. I mean... There is no spoon. There is no spoon? <laughs> then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends, it is yourself. Yes, bitch. And so, when it comes to telepathy, telekinesis, th th this is the kind of shit that we're in for tonight, okay? Scanners is the film that we're going to be covering. And if you've not heard of Midnight Ritual yet, 
what you want to do is dim the lights, sit down at a, at a desk next to somebody that you just met, and make crazy faces until your head explodes. That's what, that's, that's what we're going to do tonight. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, you got be, me with that let's begin the ritual. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> Shut up. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Not another peep. Time Scanners is a 1981 Canadian science fiction body horror film written and directed by David fucking Cronenberg, whose other works include Shivers, Videodrome, The Dead Zone, again Stephen King, and, of course, The Fly. Um, Fleshing out the cast of characters is Stephen Lack, who is definitely lacking, as Cameron Vale, Jennifer O'Neill as Kim Obrist, Patrick McGowan as Dr. Paul Ruth, the motherfucking G. Lawrence Dane as... He is Longshanks. Lawrence Dane as Brendan, 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 whatever, Keller. And Michael fucking Ironside as Daryl Revick. Daryl Revick. There's a whole generation of scanner soldiers just a few months away from being born. We'll find them, train them to be like us. Not like Oberst and their band of cripples. We'll bring the world of normals to their knees. Rule an empire so brilliant, so glorious. We'll be the envy of the whole planet. You sound just like him. Like Ruth. No, not like him. Like Rack! Daryl Rack! This script is based on Cronenberg's uh, previous scripts, The Sensitives and Telepathy 2000. The film was rushed into production without a finished script, primarily filmed in Montreal and Toronto, to take advantage of the Canadian film industry's tax write-offs at the time. So good on Cronenberg, he's a smart motherfucker. The grueling experience of writing and filming on the fly led, uh, not his film The Fly, writing and filming on the fly, led to Scanners being one of Cronenberg's most difficult shoots. I guess, you know, you get pushed, you get shoved into to making this film because you have to meet a time constraint and, and get, get your film made, produced, whatever. He wasn't even done yet. It's uh, a slog. It was accompanied by a score from Howard Shore, who later composed music for The Fly, Silence of the Lambs, and a lot more, but most iconic, in my opinion, is Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, dude. Makeup special effects maestro Dick Smith, who had worked on The Godfather, <laughs> Amadeus, and The Exorcist, lent a hand to this film. It um, it what about what about Gary Zeller though? Give Gary us Zeller, the, give us the triv. Gary Zeller was huge in this one. He was absolutely huge in this one, and he worked on. He also worked on Dawn of the Dead. He was the explosives guy on Dawn of the Dead. So anything mm. that was like 
exploding or all that kind of stuff. Right. You, right. you worked on Amityville Horror Two, which was mm. another again weird hypersexual movie. Apparently, I'm in some kind of a mood tonight. Originally debuting to middling reviews by critics, the film did achieve some box office success. It it grossed 14 million against a three million dollar budget. So you know, hell to the fucking yeah. It was it was the breakthrough success Cronenberg needed. It really was. And that's what spearheaded him forward. Yep. Corporate uh, man says make more. Yes. <laughs> it has it has since been reevaluated, garnering the status of a cult classic. And oh, yeah. I've got I've got a few trivia, little bits of trivia for y'all. Cronenberg mm-hmm. moved the head explosion, the infamous head explosion from the beginning of the film because he thought people were gonna get to the film late. And he didn't want to just blow his load right at the beginning, even though it happens right at the next scene. Whatever. <laughs> Michael Ironside was originally hired for a bit part um, for like two scenes, but they rewrote everything to include him as the antagonist. Because, Smart move. Yeah, yeah, because he's Smart funny. Smart move. Well, his, his his intensity in that when he was when he was just like veining out and just going like full blown Hulk. Oh yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen somebody sell the whole "let's have a psychic battle" <laughs> quite so well as him. No, seriously. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen anyone sell that idea like Michael Ironside. Daryl Ravikrak. So, yeah. You know. No, no, we can do it right now, and I, I'm sure I'm pretty sure I can make Ricky's head explode if I wanted to. But sure. it's like I just I don't think I could own it like he. Right. Did. No, it, not it at wouldn't all. No. look. It wouldn't look as cool. You no, know? definitely not. No. <laughs> The, the yeah, you did like one eye get big and then you bleed out your nose. When I yeah, I when, can't when I when I try to make people's heads explode, I just make this face. Oh, that's great for a podcast. <laughs> Look at his face. Well, well, to, para- to, to paraphrase this, so people know what we're talking about, I, I thought about this too, and a lot of those faces. Kind of look, look for me. It looked like my morning sit down when I'm taking my morning just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exorcism. That's what it looks right. like. It's just you're like having, <laughs> you're having your your morning yeah. long shanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, eye, <laughs> one eye is squinted, the other one's fucking bloodshot. And you're just like you're, you're using muscles you never knew you had. <laughs> like when your face I, hurts after yeah. you shit, you know that was a real yeah, one. Exactly. I'm getting my big toe into this damn thing. Ooh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You fucking, Own it. You Own fucking it. Yep. start sweating and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. Oh, the drug. You done something wrong. <laughs> the drug. Or all the, the way right. All the way right. Yeah. Don't want to be right. Can't be right. Ephemeral. Talk to me about ephemeral, Travis. Ephemeral. Because even the name is like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm a dude, I'm not sure I want to get shot up with ephemeral. Ephemeral. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I, I, I'm already borderline bitch tits as it is. I don't think I want to shut up with that stuff. <laughs> No, thanks. Damn. <laughs> the, the, yes, the drug in the film, Ephemeral, bears an eerie similarity to the real life scandal in the late 1950s as women who had taken, I'm not going to pronounce this right, thalidomide. 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 Yep. During pregnancy, marketed as relief for morning sickness, began to give birth to children suffering um, some pretty fucked up deformities. Oh uh, yeah, oh, and I, like, I, yeah. I saw pictures of them, and I've I I literally I'm not. Yeah, man, it's the nightclub, and we're making fucked up comments and this, that, and the other. But I'm a person. I saw those babies, dude, and I got kind of like not 
more than sad. Like I was, I was kind of like, fuck, I can't look at this shit. I can't. There's I just, a documentary. There's a documentary about the use of thalidomide and, and the, the offspring that the women that used have had, it is, it's probably worse than any horror movie I've ever seen. Because I mean, uh, kids that were born with two heads, no oh, arms and no legs, no arms and no legs. That's the ones that got they're me. In, their insides on their outsides. I mean, Oh yeah. I, I yeah, saw an was, image. Oh, I saw real an life body horror, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw an image of a baby crying with no arms and oh. legs, and I wanted to kill myself for real. Yeah, that's yeah. There's a there's a photo of an, of an infant who effectively, and I, I'm not trying to downplay this because I it was horrid, but it looks like a baby seal. It oh, has man. it has like little hands and feet, but at the shoulders and at the pelvis, and it's just like Sad. I'm a baby, and and I don't think that the baby necessarily knew any better at the time, but it was just it was horrific, absolutely yeah. horrific. Sad. Yeah. The big, big yeah. sad. Something else that's sad. Um, someone, a rubbernecker, died while the film was being shot. They they slowed down to take a look at the production going on, and oh, they, no. they, they were on a highway like right nearby, and a truck rammed them from behind. So, oh, don't, no shit. Oh don't, wow! Don't, don't be rubbernecking. All right. Especially on the fucking highway. What what are you doing? Production stills exist of shots in the final psychic duel that we mentioned between uh, our characters, Cameron Vale and Daryl Revick, where the top of Cameron's head explodes into flames and sparks, sending, uh, like, I don't know, like, I, I get I get goosebumps kind of looking at that, that image, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure okay. to post, post it on the socials. Apparently, this climax was filmed, but Cronenberg chose to omit it from the final print. And fun fact about that, Stephen Lack and he be lacking, like I said, kept the fake head of of his that that you know exploded in that scene. Last little bit I got for y'all in February 2007, Darren Lynn Bowsman, who was the direct who was going to be the director of this movie, wanted to make a remake. David S. Goyer was assigned to script the film, and the film was planned to be released in October of 2008, but. He never got a blessing from David Cronenberg, and so David oh. Lynn Bowsman, David Lynn Bowsman said, "Then I'm not, I'm not. It's not getting made then." Yeah, that's some real respect. That's real yeah. respect. At that's, least one of them. At least one of them's a real one. That, well, sure, and he's a real. That's a real motherfucker, and we're gonna keep it reals right here. I'm gonna try to, okay? Because in keeping with tradition of Joe Bob Briggs, I've decided to tally up some drive-in totals like we do for our <laughs> Kaiju Giallo game. And this is this is an homage and a rip-off at the same time because it's the nightclub. Yeah, I'm so, right. In this film, we have 24 dead bodies, zero breasts, three bodies, three bodies of flam, three nosebleeds, <laughs> <laughs> two car crashes, <laughs> one infamous exploding head a psychic food court attack escalator <laughs> leaping multiple mysterious assassins secret laboratory spying computer hacking melting <laughs> melting payphone melting post, payphone is awesome post car accident basement dwelling <laughs> gratuitous administering of drugs via syringe gratuitous ugly psychic faces mm-hmm Gratuitous heart rate monitor in that one scene. Gratuitous interrogation scenes, plural. Gratuitous high-pitched psychic powers. Dart gun foo. 
glass of water food, shotgun food, telekinesis food, phone booth food, and finally, telepathic unborn child food. Wrapping mm-hmm. it all around to that thalidomide or whatever it's called. I got another uh, gratuitous for you. Mm. <clears throat> gratuitous neutral tone, <laughs> ugly clothes. <laughs> I swear to God, like that's, I think that's one one of the most depressing things about watching this movie. It's like everyone just has the most beigeest fucking gackiest yeah. fucking. Every, everybody in this movie is out to party and they're painting the town fucking beige. They it, are the fucking it, trench yes. coats, and I just God damn, bro. Well, and, like, and, well, and well, and jumping ahead a little bit, but this will make sense because what you're talking about, um. Our guy Vale, he literally goes from like basically being a grifter to ten minutes of like being a mental patient, and then into like a super secret agent spy guy. Yeah, because right. he's got yeah. the yeah. fucking he, trench coat. He he's the, like, right. I'm just here <laughs> looking for Revic. Do you know where he is? Wearing suits to art galas yeah. and yeah. shit. Do you like my yeah. coat? <laughs> they made me wear this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they made me wear this. Oh. Nightclub Academy Awards go to Howard Shore for so much beep and boop music as well as orchestral excellence. <laughs> Dick Smith and Grindhouse? Hmm? What? The other, the other effects uh, maestro? Oh, are you talking Gary Zeller? Yes. yes. Dick, Dick Smith and, unbeknownst to me, Gary Zeller uh, for what is quite possibly the most famous exploding head in a film ever. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, it just gives me... Gives yeah. me a fear boner. Gives me a, a long, fear boner. Long before, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Long before I saw this movie or even knew the name of this movie, I had seen that that exploding head. You know what I mean? So I'd say it's probably, I, I'd probably agree. It's probably the most iconic exploding head. Jennifer O'Neill gets one for being billed first in the credits and not showing up until about 37 minutes into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen Lack for being so dry in his delivery I was thirsty Michael Ironside for saying kill him really and David Cronenberg for ushering body horror into the fucking mainstream now I want to ask everyone we'll go round table and then we're going to begin the fucking ritual I'll start us off when's the first time you saw this film for me I, I'm pretty damn positive I saw it before but I didn't remember anything, anything about this movie. So I'm going to go ahead and say this is a first time watch because uh, I don't I didn't remember anything except for the exploding head scene. Like Ricky was saying, I saw this a few years ago when I like did a serious dive into Cronenberg, which I still haven't finished. <laughs> But uh, this was one of them that I was like, well, yeah, of course I got to watch Scanners. It's got the exploding head. It's going to be fucking amazing. It's going to be a 10, obviously. So I, I, I dove into that. And, uh, man, this is the uh, second time that I watched it mm-hmm. for this episode. So there you have that. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was it was definitely early 80s because um, I, I think I've told you guys before, I, I had parents who just didn't give a shit. So I could watch whatever I wanted to. And... Hell, this dude. one, this one was, this one was a walking through the video store and by video, I mean videotape, but walking through the video store and the cover art got me. It was like, uh, I, I, this looks like something I absolutely have to fucking see. So I've probably seen it <sighs> probably half a dozen times in my life and watching it again today to be prepared for this podcast. And by the way, uh, Travis, you owe me four bucks. 
Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's your, check, your check's the, in the mail. Hold uh, your breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is one of those ones where, and and this is my honest opinion. The movie, when you watch it, it first starts and it goes back to Ricky's like, the, the future is so bright. I gotta wear beige philosophy. Right. Um, it's really <laughs> it, right now. It's really dated. It's really dated. And there are so many things that I picked out about this thing that were so dated, but the reality is um, the psychological horror piece of it, where somebody could just glance at you and fuck with your mind like that. I don't think that ever dies. I don't think it does. I think it's, I think it can, I think it stays pretty, pretty fresh. At least the philosophy does The movie itself. Yeah. It's, it's a little on the old side, but there are so many things in this movie that are great that, it's well, always well, worth a, it's it's worth a watch, and I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it probably in ten years, and it was like, it's like, oh shit, Travis needs some help. I got to sit down and watch this damn thing and do whatever else. And I got into it, and I was just like, I did one of these kind of like, hmm, okay, you kind of roll with it. Well, let's find out what we got to roll with here. Uh, we're gonna be rolling. We're gonna be rolling hardcore. Let's begin our scanning. <laughs> uh, tonight's film is Scanners from 1981. Let's move dive in. in, now move out. Hands up, now hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you're gonna do now. Keep, Keep rolling, 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 Opens with the credits and title card, green text against a black background, very 80s, before revealing a homeless vagrant who scours the mall food court for leftovers and gets made fun of by a couple of women who think he's disgusting. <laughs> this causes our hobo hero to induce a seizure in one of the women, panicking other patrons of the mall and alerting the attention of some trench coat wearing spies that, uh, you know give chase and shoot him with a fucking tranquilizer dart and then capture him and drag him away. That's the opening shot, opening scene for Scanners. Fun fact, that's exactly how he got the job too. They just went to a food court. They found a guy sitting there staring at people, <laughs> making weird faces and oh, a the blank, faces. blank plastic expression. And they were like, that's the perfect guy for the job. Let's give him money and put him in our movie. At, at this point in the film, right here, I was, I was, I was kind of like it, it, the performance of uh, Cameron Vale. Oh well, uh, Stephen Lack playing Stephen, Cameron Vale. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it because he hadn't spoken yet. But right. not, not, not. You know, I don't not, know some of his faces though, bro. I don't mind the faces with, with, with some again of with his faces. With that gratuitous, with that gratuitous high pitched Howard Shore shit in your ape shit spaghetti uh, yeah. sound, I mean that 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 got me. That made me believe you can actually do a psychic battle and have it sound and feel tense because yeah. the scene for me built a little bit of tension, and then you get the the escalator leaping like I was talking about before. Like that shit was fucking like, what the hell are you doing, man? Right jumping around like that and he gets dude they get shot and it's always got the fuzzy why well why? It, yeah i know i know well why? and then 
the why delivery do, there though. The no, hold delivery. on. No, hold on. I'm I'm fuck the delivery. Why do tranquilizer darts have fuzzy little butts? <laughs> why? Because it helps them fly. It's like an arrow. That's why. No, don't tell fly. me the real fucking reason. I want to question this dumb shit. <laughs> because dumb. Because we see them and they look like cheerleaders and pom poms, and then we're all happy. Bullets That's don't why. need bullets don't need pom poms to fucking kill somebody. Why the hell? Well, but they're but they're, well, they're going to they're to going a hell of a lot faster. That's yeah, why. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's these it's things a, are going slow. Yeah, I mean, sleep. if you shot a tranquilizer dart at the speed of an old bullet, it would just go through somebody. And there'd be a big fucking yeah. hole. They'd, I mean, they'd be tranquilized, I guess, because they'd be dead. So <laughs> it would. Or not? I mean, yeah. if you just hit, if you just hit the meat, you don't hit yeah. nothing important. Well, it's like deflections on an arrow. It's like deflections on an arrow. That's what it is. All all the strings are deflections on an arrow. That's no, I I get it, but at the same time, I hate it. I hate it so uh, much. Yeah. But but well, see, I love it though. I love it. I, I know. Think that, I, I was like, gonna. I was that's gonna what say, tells me it's a tranquilizer me, I, dart. Exactly. Yeah, I I I have been late or well, actually this is early. I've been early eighties roofied. That's what I like. I, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it, like it ain't it ain't fucking subtle, but I know it happened, and it's like has, well, I mean, right. Has yeah, the I'm, has the thalidomide kicked in yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up in the morning. My drawer's gonna be on inside out, and I'm not gonna know where I am. <laughs> that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. I mean, that's how I want to live my life. So. Mm-hmm. The psychic man from the mall, Cameron Vale, wakes up tied down to a bed in a large room full of empty chairs. Then we get the introduction of Dr. Paul Ruth, who explains to Cameron that the reason he is a 35-year-old derelict and piece of human junk is because he is a scanner, and that is the source of his agony and his unrefined power. I love the line where he, he just says, you're 35 years old, you're a derelict and a piece of human junk. That's shit. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yep. he doesn't pull any punches. Oh, yeah, dude, he's yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Well, they walk the whole audience in, but then it's like all of a sudden, like the audience is like, well, but, but but what happens when the people begin flooding into the room is that all of their thoughts are being transmitted into yeah, Cameron's yeah. mind. He's being, and, he's being and overwhelmed. We can, we can hear them. Yeah, he's being overwhelmed. Yep, and he's flailing like in anguish. And during oh, this, man. during this experiment, yeah. Doctor Ruth gives Cameron a shot of something that we talked about earlier, ephemeral, mm-hmm. and all of the voices in his head fade away. So yeah, he, this, he becomes woke. <laughs> he becomes woke. Well, yeah. You got to stop ephemeral. listening to all the bullshit from everyone <laughs> it else. Takes away, it takes away all this toxic masculinity, and he becomes woke. No, okay, I took, <laughs> I, took, I took it a different way, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, we're going that way with it. He becomes woke from having the ephemeral. <laughs> I like the way you did it better. <laughs> I I had a whole different mindset about that, but that joke makes it way better. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that if you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't have said well, but that's his moral. <laughs> Because it, it, never, it never crossed my mind that it sounds like you're saying effeminate, you know? It just never crossed oh, it my did mind. For, it, it did for me. It did so, for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now he's all woke and stuff. Well, he's woke, but he's being overwhelmed, and that was kind of like the test. That was the test to make sure that he was actually a scanner. Yeah. I mean, right. With that many people in one room, there was no way he could resist it. So he just like started flopping, and he was doing the crappie flop, and just oh yeah, and just, he was yeah. he was flopping, boy. That oh, yeah. dude there, yep. he he flopped that dude and his place. him and his face acting. Oof. 
In the next scene, a scanner working for the company Consec is performing a demonstration of his his fucking psychic abilities for a room full of potential investors in whatever endeavor this is going to be. I mean, it's probably a military application or whatever. Well, we find out later it is. After asking for a volunteer, one man with a scar on his forehead comes down and takes a seat next to the scanner. They begin the mind melding so the scanner can extract the thought from the volunteer's head. But as the process goes on, it appears the scanner is in significant distress. Mm-hmm. He chokes. He strains. He sweats his ass off. He reaches for his neck and his face multiple times while the volunteer focuses harder and harder. Michael Ironside making those fucking O faces Bro. before finally resulting in the scanner's head completely exploding before the audience in attendance. Okay, so this scene's been talked about a million times, and it's going to get talked about a million and one right here. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, the effect is fucking amazing. It's weird that there's not as much blood as you would think there is, like, on the table and stuff, but no one ever notices that on their first watch. Michael Ironside, yeah, no, you're right. Michael Ironside doesn't even have a drop of blood on him. He was right next to a guy with a blown-up head. I didn't think about that either. Yeah, yeah, and he and he should look like he should look like fucking Captain Kool Aid just jumped into his fucking pool. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, but it no, just, yeah. but it, the effect is so amazing. <laughs> the effect is so great that no one ever notices that shit on their first watch. Oh, never, so, never. So I'd say it's a no, it's a moot point, mm. you know. But still, it's a good point though. Well, shit, yeah, but uh, that's fine. But like, I, I've been down here and like, like talking to you all, and at my little bench here, and I've spilled a fucking beer down here, and the shit goes <laughs> fucking everywhere. Like, right. I mean, like, like you, like you guys are like, oh yeah, your whole fucking table. I mean, so there's nothing, there's nothing, you know. Now it's like he just gets up and kind of casually walks off, and he's like, I'm gonna be fine. And then all of the uh, beige coated secret agents attract him. <laughs> and oh, yeah. the thing that the thing that bugged me about this, this really bugged me. So this is this is 1981, okay, right? So the guy that the guy that grabs him, he he holds a Walther P38 to his head, okay. Mm-hmm. A Walther P-38 is a World War II era gun. Right. Okay. It shoots a nine millimeter cartridge, but it's World War fucking II. It was made like 1938. That's when they started producing these guns. And it's like, are you telling me that you're part of like this, some secret, maybe government lab ish society thing. And that's the gun you have. Right. I mean, did you guys get all the fucking surplus or like what? I mean, like someone just opened a box and goes, here's what you get, what you get. Sorry. It's old. It's old. Sorry. It, It still works. We, Maybe, but like, we recovered I just, uh, this. We recovered yeah. this when we got the uh, when we got Van Brown. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear he's heading up NASA. Yeah, right. <laughs> Never a straight answer. Flat realm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> flat realm. Oh. <laughs> so the security, oh, no. the security instructs a doctor on the scene to give the volunteer a dose of something called ephemeral. But the man scans the doctor and forces him to inject himself with his scanner powers. The volunteer fakes being drugged, however. And I keep saying volunteer because at this point in the film, we don't know it's Daryl Revick. Revick. Yes. Yeah. Right after this, the contact team is transporting the volunteer, Michael Ironside, when he secretly scans the driver of another transport car to drive ahead. This driver, under the, under, uh, the scanner's influence, 
wrecks the car into a fucking flaming, smoldering heap instantly. When this car wrecks, it blows yeah, up. It blows the hell up. Mm-hmm. That's well, how you know this is an 80s film, son. Ratified. But you know what the, you know what the most, most disconcerting part of this whole entire – this whole scene was? If you listen very, very closely – and I was, I was listening on my headphones because I was trying to do like 17 things at one time tonight. So I'm listening on my headphones. The windshield wipers of the car, they're squeaking, oh, yeah. they're squeaking as they go. Oh, that yeah. fucking squeak, it started out as annoying, and then it pissed me off, and then I was like, what the fuck is going on? That's it, and it was windshield wipers, but it like it added like and somebody put that in there. Somebody put that in there on purpose. That windshield right. wiper squeak. It yeah. adds some realism to it oh, though, because God, I, yeah. rem- I I remember focusing on it too, like not intentionally, but like yeah, that thing like turn your wipers off, bro. It yeah. ain't wet enough. Well, after all, it's like it, it's like, <laughs> it's like what he is needs this to sound? Ch- he needs what to change them, bitches. Yeah, it's like what is the sound I'm hearing? And I'm like, and I'm 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 downstairs in my fucking nerd lab here, and I'm like. What is that? Oh, it's the movie. And after a while, it started to grate on me a little bit. And it's like, and it went all the way, all the way through to, from the car crash to the big fire, to the guys getting out and trying to like, we're going to save them. And it's like, well, no, we're not. It's just barbecue time. And, <laughs> and then we get back and then we yeah. have the, we have the other, the, the, the one guy kills kind of everybody else. And then there's Michael Ironstein standing there like, hey, look at me. I'm awesome. But as that scene even trails off that fucking squeak. Of the wipers, the, oh the, God. the squeak, the squeak haunts you. It oh, it yeah. totally does. Totally, the, does. the haunting yeah. squeak of the yeah. windshield wipers. <laughs> the squeaky haunters. Michael, <laughs> Michael, the volunteer Ironside scans another security officer <laughs> and forces him to shoot his coworkers and then himself. So we know, we know now that like this shit is fucking way for real. Like, yeah, if you had a single doubt that that there are people out there in this in this movie's universe that can control shit with their brain including apparently other people right to the point to make their head explode into a blood fountain and to make them kill their friends or co-workers and then and then ultimately themselves that's some unheralded power gotta say he's wielding yeah well mind control is a real thing it really is i mean you know look at what we're doing right now i'm on your podcast so one of us clearly is able to control the mind of the other so no. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I I I'm gonna say it right now. I'm leaving that shit in. I love I love that you're on here, man. Thank oh, you so yeah. much. For, <laughs> yeah. for real. Well, you know what? You let me know at six o'clock, and here I am prepared. So <laughs> barely, but yeah, I'm prepared. Nah, not barely, man. Yeah. We're doing this goddamn thing. Uh, the ritual is in full effect. The next it's morning, all we do. It's, it's all damn thing. It's the da- <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> shit. I got them free songs now, cause <laughs> okay. Go ahead, time, so out, time, time out. Time out. Oh, what the fuck ahead. is the frisson? What the fuck is that? Go- I've been uh, watching chills. Goosebumps. The chills? The yeah, goosebumps. Chills. Okay. All right. Okay. So I I've been watching the Discord and I'm like I. Here we are again, not speaking fucking English, so I don't Cole. know what the fuck you guys are talking Cole. about. Cole, well, no, Cole no. cracks me up when he starts bringing the Cajun French in. I know, I love it. I love it so much. And maybe I just haven't been around. Talking long about enough, the cachage and the frissons yeah. and. The- yeah, well, it's like I, I, I'm pretty sure he has a, like a little notebook that he opens up and he goes, must, "What word? He must have what a word little should notebook. I use? Let's see." And it's just, on, on the outside, it's just in like in in gold. 
inlay, it just says Creole. <laughs> he flips it open and this he goes, is Creole. Yeah, what word can I do to look? This is oh, not Creole. This is Cajun. Uh, well, it's it, no. If you if if you Google it and do a little bit of research, at least from what I've done, it ain't all that fucking different. But uh, whatever. I'm just I'm just saying I I don't speak the language quite yet. Like Cole thinks he does. I, I so. picture <laughs> I, I picture I picture Boss Tuna opening that that notebook with with like his hands, but mm-hmm. his hands have the fucking the uh, the snow mittens on them. What are they called, Ricky? Uh, gloves, no mittens. <laughs> the, the, fuck, the, the the thing we joked about—he crawls around on them. Oh, oh, snowshoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how's he opening them, them? Them? How's he turning them pages with the, those snowshoes on, bro? Well, snow snowshoes go on your feet. So yeah, but he had, he wears them on his hands too. Oh, because he because he, cra- he, he, he crawls around on all fours, <laughs> <laughs> like a savage. Yeah, yeah, what? Well, no, on all fours like a bitch in heat. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Well, that's that's what we're doing. All the cajoles is getting laid down. Yeah, ass in the air, just like, who? who's next? Who's next? Oh, I'm an alicat. I'm an alicat. My ass is in the air for the next scene. The next morning, the members of Consec, the, the, the members of the, the, the fucking like, committee, the board at Consec, are discussing the events that transpired the night before. The newly appointed director of internal security, Braden Keller, suggests shutting down the research of scanners, given the carnage that ensued. Dr. Ruth, however, makes the case that using a scanner who has a strong, dormant power to infiltrate the underground movement spearheaded by our now free volunteer and mastermind of said movement is the best course of option, or the best course of action, excuse me, and best option. The board agrees with Dr. Root's plan, and they move forward. Yeah, so because the- it's obvious that he's the only one who actually put any kind of thought into the situation. Yeah, yeah, like like <laughs> his, his idea is so on the nose that I'm like, of course they all agree with him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he basically everyone, everyone, like no one else even knew what the meeting was about when they showed up, bro. Like, I swear to God, like, like that's what it looks like. Everyone was just like, fuck where's the coffee like no one even what we have a meeting <laughs> like it it, it involves it does involve military applications though that the, the government's always in there to get their shit in the next scene dr ruth meets with cameron and he tells him that he is a psychopharmacist specializing in the phenomenon of scanners which Vale happens to be yeah. dr ruth explains that scanners are freaks of nature with telepathic abilities and the drug that he gave him and that stopped all the voices ephemeral is a scanner suppressant their conversation is watched closely via security cameras by keller who later meets with some unseen person wink wink i mean goddamn in a subway station to discuss the unfolding events did did, i mean i'm gonna spoil it now but it's It's coming up dr claw right yeah Inspector Gadget, I'll get right. you. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Yeah, no, it totally was with the fucking the trench coats and all the other. Yeah, yeah. And Ruth is like, Ruth is like, you know the problem with Scotland? It's full of Scots. Oh, I'm gonna say. 
right now i didn't really realize that this was an inspector gadget movie until until just now with the, with it really the, is though with all the trench coats the base yeah. trench coats and everything the hidden oh, yeah. the hidden evil boss that you right you oh know. and the bowler hats and everything oh yeah that you no, already know it totally yeah. is yep <laughs> dr ruth shows cameron some archival footage on reel to reel tape of a young man named daryl revick being interrogated the young Revic has a bandage over his forehead with an eye drawn in it. Cool scene. I love this. I, I love this scene. I love this scene. As yeah. he as he talks and he talks and he, like he's talking about the voices and, and the voices to him are pressure. They're pressure and he needs to let the pressure out. So at some point he took a drill to his own forehead mm-hmm. right. to, let, to let the pressure. Oh, just. I love how crazy he is too. Because she asked him, like, well, what is the eye? And he's like, oh, well, it's a door. You know, yeah. and she's like, you think that's going to fool people drawing an eye on it to keep them from going through the door? <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like obvious that he, he, he gets is pissed. crazy. He gets pissed, too. It, but it, it's the, obvious yeah, that he is yeah. crazy as fuck. Yeah, at and, this the, point. and the door, just the, you the, know? the drawing is like the drawing is like the most cartoony, like on a Band-Aid thing you could ever draw on your pot. But, right. But it like it completely makes sense, you know. It's like when you're seeing it, you completely get what it's supposed to be. He's very, he really does appear to be highly schizophrenic and unmedicated. Yeah, yeah. It was a good it was a good job they did with that little, and it's it's just a little bit of writing, a little bit of character work, but they did a good job with it. What? Yeah. What? What are you laughing at? <laughs> after after that, Doctor Ruth begins grooming Cameron, telling him that Revic has tracked down all. What, of did the I notes. say something funny? Oh. <laughs> Am all, I a clown? Here all, we go. All of the known scanners <laughs> to recruit them for his revolution that will destroy society. So now we're getting deep into the weeds. Doctor Ruth is full blown like, "Hey, bro, I said something funny. Am I a clown? Are you?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's giving him. He's giving him what he called the indoctrination. Prima noctum. Yeah, yeah. He's giving him the indoctrination. It's the indoctrination. That's what yeah. he's giving him. The indoctrination. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then he brings in the uh, he brings in the uh, what is it the super super old guy right and it's like he's a he's a yoga master who can control his own heart rate. Well, I I can too as long as I have my hands on my penis, I can control my heart rate all day long. <laughs> um, so that's not that impressive to me. Um, but yeah, just going through this and then like they go through the whole thing and he's like he's he's ramping this guy up. He's ramping him, ramping him. He's gonna just like blow his fucking heart out, and then he's gonna he's gonna give him that I- injection of the effemination or whatever the hell we're calling it um and but then he's like right at the last the minute he, he grabs his wrist the woke there we the go woke they call it the woke the woke shot and <laughs> then, oh, 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 oh. but then he stops him and he's like yeah you're right that was kind of fun and i can and so like he he's he's learning that he actually has the power yeah. to control this whole thing yeah. Vail, Vail tells dr ruth that's what he says he's like you're right doctor that was easy oh. yeah yeah like yeah. just so yeah. just so and and by now I'm I'm being serious I'm I'm starting to get like my thirst is is not being quenched I'm getting parched because yeah. of this man's performance. What cracks me up is when he's starting to do like, uh, and it's not like the ending the ending scene, but it's little little especially other parts and I can't pinpoint directly, but he starts doing like this whole like he swings his head back and he's doing different shit like that. And just the face acting that he does in those little psychic moments just oh, the face cracks acting. No. me up. So no, you're nailing it, Ricky. You're nailing it. He's face just, acting. 
This whole movie, <laughs> this whole movie, if you think about it, all, all the times when they're scanning somebody, it is what you are calling it's just face, face it's, acting. It's face it's acting. Like, yeah, and it's like I, I'm not sure I could face act. But, <laughs> right. I mean, but it's. I mean, I think they do a good job with that. To be honest with you. Oh no! Dude, so do some I. of the no, some totally. of the yeah. some of the totally. stuff that he does cracks me up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> y'all should have reshot. I'm like, y'all should have reshot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's just okay. my opinion, man. The dude, fucking Ricky Cronenberg over here. The dudes, <laughs> the dudes made out of plastic and balsa wood. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He just, I don't know. He man. is. He is. He lacks. His name yeah. is is fucking correct. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's lack. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Listen, it's Steve- plastic and balsa wood, and then covered in lacquer. Steven- and that's how you get the lack. <laughs> oh no, Stephen Stephen Lack's performance in this whole thing. Like I said, I compared it to Flyboy from uh, Dawn of the Dead. He is a guy that literally has a well lubricated wooden stick up his ass the entire time. His- and somebody and somebody just moves it in and out when they want him to react. He's like, <laughs> Should I smile? So yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this the point where we get Stephen Lack to react? Yeah, uh, shove the stick in further. Exactly. Just uh, right. A little pop, and he's just like. <laughs> Pull it is, out. He, is he still alive? <laughs> is Stephen Lack still alive? Uh, I believe he is. I wanted I to say about, about Stephen Lack, he's actually a a, uh, a painter now. Um, oh, okay, that's right. A, a very good painter, uh, according to what I read, and he makes a successful living in New York City. Yeah. Awesome. Dr. Ruth gives Cameron the objective of tracking down artist and fellow scanner Benjamin Pierce for information on Revic and his underground network. Cameron attends a showing of Pierce's artwork at a gallery featuring, you know, some pretty disturbing sculptures and shit. When he's turned down by the curator for a meeting with the artist, Cameron simply scans the man's mind to get the artist's home address, and um, this leads to the curator falling very ill. It doesn't go unnoticed either. There's a woman at the showing, who sees Cameron having, like, a nosebleed and all the ugly faces. Yeah, she notices them faces, but... That's our lead, Jennifer O'Neill, finally showing up in the film. Why don't you just think about where he lives, then? (laughs) (laughs) Except he said it like this. Why don't you just think about where he lives, Right. (laughs) Just ignore that restraining order. Things will be fine. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like this scene for the intrigue, but again, Stephen Lack is the uh, the main performer here, and it's uh, it's lacking, bro. Yeah, but he's gone. I've got something. I've got something surprising to say about Stephen Lack's character in this movie, but I'll save that for later after we get a little reveal. All right. All right. Cameron finds Pierce in his art studio, complete with a loft and giant sculpture of a human head. Pretty badass. Yeah. Cameron tries to divulge the whereabouts of Revic from Pierce, but their conversation goes south and a team of assassins arrive, shooting Benjamin Pierce to death in a fuck. Like, that shit's brutal, man. So my problem with this team of assassins is highly pained, Highly paid. <laughs> nightclub. Nightclub. So now my problem with these this highly paid team of assassins is that they come in here, they're all dressed like fucking 
like hillbilly yokels, first of all. And the one the one lady's got like a nice, super sweet, tight ass on her. She's like strolling up to the barn. Um, but they all have like twelve gauge shotguns, and that's like the worst assassin weapon ever. I mean, it's a fucking scatter gun. Like I'm gonna walk yeah. in. A scatter gun is to meant to kill everybody in the fucking room. It doesn't mean that I'm a highly painted. Like I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna find my target and just go boom. It's like I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna paint the fucking room. That's what I'm gonna do. So we have the shotgun blues. That's why I've called it here. My <laughs> the shotgun blues, and just like everything goes fucking south. And then Vale talks to the mentally talks to the one guy and gets the the name. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's like so. All this stuff happens. They, they kind of like they get her and they find. And, but then they like they process over and it's like we have this whole other like conclave of scanners, right? And right. These people are all scanners, right? They can scan your fucking brain. How does nobody know that he's working for Consec? How does nobody right. know this? Like, what the <laughs> right. fuck? Like, like, They've been none of you saw this coming. Like, has. like, yeah, you know it's I mean? like, yeah, like, yeah, and they're all good at it. And it's like, and then, it, well, yeah, because, yeah, come on well, in. Here's a in, cup of fucking tea. Have a in, drink. Fuck in, my wife. I mean, like, what the? Like, in, the, in the in the in the logic of the film, one scanner has to allow another scanner into their brain. I think. I think, but maybe not. Maybe not. Unless, unless, no, no, unless no, the no, scanner, the scanner's will, the one who's going in, just either through is stronger talent or it's stronger, or, yeah, or practice is stronger than yes, the, yes. The other I think one. I think you're right, Ricky. But at the same time, and, I think and if this, this movie point, is proven nothing. Say, at but this, this point, point, I would say these guys should be able to get in his head. No, no, yes, because but, we find out his lineage later. So no, I disagree with that. Yes, but we've also proven uh, at this point now we're starting to get the point that if you have a group of scanners, a group can be stronger than than, than one, right? Yeah, it's true they do. Yeah, be Lincoln. so yeah, so but it's yeah, like yeah, so, they be so, Lincoln. Yeah, so it's like they get in, so they get into this next scene. And you've got you've got a whole <laughs> fucking room full of scanners, but nobody knows that the one guy is like at least at this point in the film he's he's like a kind of a covert agent, secret whatever the hell, doing all of right. this stuff. Like somehow nobody magically knows, and then it's like everybody walks in, and it's like half of the scanners get fucking blown away by again these magical assassins with twelve gauge shotguns. I mean, like to be you know fair, what? to be <sighs> fair, if I was out to assassinate someone and make sure, like I gotta make sure they're dead, I gotta get close to them and make sure they're dead, I'd probably use some type of shotgun, but I'm not smart. Yeah, me neither. I thought the the shotgun shit was kind of bad. Be- no, well, no, no because I, I know of- what you I know what you're saying. There's like nothing. There's like nothing. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, Logical, illogical, irreverent, folklore, <laughs> James Bond bullshit. I mean, <laughs> no, there's a. Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> it's just there's just no subtlety. It's just oh, Full someone blown. obviously came in here with a shotgun and intended to kill the fuck out of everyone around. Well, that's you know my point. I mean? though. It's like that's overkill. my point. These right. this secret conclave of assassins are going through town, fucking pumping off twelve gauge rounds everywhere. If you right. can tell me that everybody there's within no 12... silencers, there's no, no there's no. just no subtlety yeah. or yeah, finesse everybody within whatsoever. fifteen miles heard that shit. It's right. like, like you guys are not like no, no, no. There's no finesse they... about it whatsoever. No, I want to say no, about, about they might the as scene. well have just hired the Crips down the road to do it, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much blood in the room. Uh, I want to say oh. about the scene. I want to say about this scene. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I actually find the death of Benjamin Pierce to be really fucked up. Like, cause he's begging no, and they keep shooting him over and over, and he survives over and over until finally he does not. That being said, his Joker laugh is unparalleled. His laugh got on my nerves. I'm sorry. His Joker laugh was top notch. He was the Joker. It was good. It was good. It was yeah. Good. Yep. He got on that character just got on my nerves, but we can move on from there. That's well, all there is to it. He was the fucking artsy douchebag. I mean, that gets on everybody's yeah, nerves. He got yeah, on like, my nerves. Like, I yeah. mean, like, I'm not saying the guy <clears throat> did a bad job. I'm not saying he's not. Well, no, you know, he was no, he was the guy like like I have to go to work every day and like earn my fucking money. He just sits there and plays with fucking plaster and like braids his own fucking hair and shit like that, and somehow well, makes money. Yeah, he got a minor, minor nerves too. Yeah, I was gonna say like if 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 Stephen <laughs> if Stephen Lack is the uh, the wooden structure full of lacquer, then You're right. then, then Benjamin Pierce is the log cabin in this movie with his performance. Sure, um, he's he is wooden as shit and and very stilted. Except for when he laughs, which is top ten gold, top ten. Well, Stephen Lack is a Trojan horse in this whole thing. That's what he is. He's the Trojan horse. Oh, he's, he is. Oh, he is. He is. He is. Wooden he, is structure. He, he is wooden and he is fucking flat and just. But and just he's on wheels and people just push him back and forth and eventually <laughs> get him in there. That's what happens. Yeah, that, that's. But he, that's what he is. You know. But I, I, and eventually not, a bunch of Trojans come out of. It. Yeah, it, it's not bad. It just <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. I just, I just pictured a lot of people pouring out of his exploding head and be like, "Hey, hey, what you doing? Hey, hey, hey!" <laughs> I told you not to scan this motherfucker. You didn't want this. As Grindhouse said earlier, um, whenever Ben is Benjamin is actually dying, Pierce Cameron Vale goes up to him and scans his mind, and he hears the words, like uh, I'm paraphrasing, but like find her, Kim Obrist, right? And, and so. After receiving a package containing, and some that's our lead all, actress, by the way, guys. Yeah, the the, the that, that hasn't really been in a movie yet. She's yeah, been she was a she was a Ford she was a Ford model though. She was a Ford model. So that's why she got the lead fucking billing. That's why yeah, she was. Well, she's yeah. also she's also tardy to the party, because after receiving a package <laughs> containing ephemeral to help with the telekinetic or telepathic uh, thoughts of others at his motel, Cameron seeks out Kim Overs at her apartment, and. This right here. Tardy to the party. I laughed way too hard at that. That got me. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it turns out Kim was the woman at uh, Pierce's art show that remembered Cameron like bleeding all over from out of his nose. And they, uh, everyone there with her is a scanner, and they all decide it's time to conduct a psychic a seance. Ritual. Oh, yeah, psychic scanner ritual. Seance. Hold on. Yep. Oh, yep. I'm get, oh, I'm getting to it. Don't you worry. That word's in there. they decide to conduct a psychic ritual in which they all stand together to become one mind one soul one experience described as beautiful and frightening meanwhile Revic scans all of them from across the street Mm -hmm. and dispatches more of his fucking shotgun wielding foot soldiers shotgun ninjas more more beige sport coats on the way send in the beige (laughs) (laughs) while the the beige boys (laughs) while the telepathic seance takes place Revic's men enter the building and shoot several scanners before being set on fire with pyrokinesis hell yeah yeah. that shit is awesome dude 
The survivors escape in a school bus that they park nearby, and Cameron reveals that he has been sent there by Consec to stop Revic. They are quickly found and shot at by some of Revic's other scanners in a van, and a high-speed chase ensues, causing their bus to wildly careen into a storefront, flipping onto its side in the middle of the store and bursting again in the flame. Well, it does eventually. Um, <laughs> Cameron and Kim are the only ones left alive and retreat to the store's basement. As police arrive and the public become curious, <laughs> another man enters, and the store is, you know, the, the shit's catching on fire, and he's like, fuck this, fire extinguishers. And so they all come on, and everyone magically leaves. Like, why do they leave just because the, the water starts coming down in this horrific... The bus, is, the bus is on fire. That's why... This mysterious man loads a shotgun and goes down into the basement to make an attempt on their lives. Uh, Cameron and fucking Kim. Cameron takes control of the man with his powers, the would-be killer, and forces him to produce a vial of a medicine with a weird logo on it. And this this gets into the whole. I'm gonna infiltrate a fucking laboratory scene out of nowhere. Where Cameron sees, uh, he sees Daryl Revick there signing paperwork, just signing paperwork and shit. Yeah, <laughs> like what the fuck? I want to know what I want to know what kind of like requisition order that was. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, Mister Daryl, we <laughs> that we've we've been struggling with this copier we would, for we would, so long. We would like more ketchup packets in the lunch room, Mister. Revic, and he's like, "God yeah. damn it! Just give him more ketchup." Every there. time, yeah. every time we send a fax, it also faxes my mom, and she's <laughs> really tired of it because, like, she runs out of copy paper twice a week. She doesn't know why biocarbon amalgamate is is constantly sending her fucking. No, no, no. Faxes. She's doing that. She's doing that. I need some paper clips, some rubber bands. I need, <laughs> I need she's three blue office woman. Yep, three blue plans, and oh, by the way, world domination. Yep, I, right, I, right. right the bottom, yeah. And it's like, how much does that cost? Um, I don't know. I, and she goes to the store and looks for all this stuff because she's not well. <laughs> oh, you know, excuse me, so. excuse me. Do you have world dominance? Where would oh. I find? Where would I find world dominance? <laughs> is that is that by the toiletries or is it over in the women's hygiene products? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's Can't. in the in the women's hygiene products. Cameron has infiltrated <laughs> biocarbon amalgamate. That's the company right here. And he sneaks into the lab where he spies on Revit, signing his fucking papers and shit. And he discovers that um, biocarbon, through a program called RIPE, has been distributing ephemeral through Consect. So Consect is part of this. Cameron is like, fuck, I got to call Dr. Ruth, who is drunk. And he's like, I've missed you. And shit like that. So, you know, I feel it's then revealed that Keller has been meeting with Revic and tells him about Vale and his informant. Oh, what the twist. What the twist. (laughs) Revic says, should Ruth discover anything, he is to be killed. Kill him? Really? Really. I want to say that scene, Michael Ironside. Bruh, he's acting his ass like this dude is yeah. just the he's the he's best actor in the whole movie. He's a best he's actor a, in the whole it, movie. Yes, absolutely. He's a 
to quote a certain boss tuna, he is a stud. He's a stud. Yeah. Well, but he's 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 on the fucking movie poster, and if you think about it, Michael Ironside is in this movie for about twelve minutes total. But and yet, he, exactly. Is, and yet, he is the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. Being I agree. Yep, I agree. I agree. But it's like I, it's kind of like the leading lady coming in at thirty-seven minutes, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I got fucking hiccups. Fuck you. He's got. Um, he's, he's got those. He's, he's, he's got. The, he's got. He's got them coarse burbs, bro. <laughs> well, no, this is yeah, not. This is the fucking Reaper spice peppers off the by pizza, like hiccup the fuck out of me. Oof. Oh yeah. Cameron and Kim arrive at Consect on a helicopter, intercepted by armed guards, and are given doses of, quote-unquote, ephemeral. Dr. Ruth meets with Cameron and tells him that the doses that he had given them were harmless, so Kim should be able to protect herself during her investigation with Keller. Now we know Keller's the mole. He's going in there. He's trying to find shit out, and during this conversation... Cameron learns that Dr. Ruth has founded biocarbon amalgam, and he's like, oh, I founded that in 1947. He's just so proud of it, like, whatever. But he doesn't know what they're doing. And he sold it to Consec, and Ruth then finds out that they're producing the ephemeral for Daryl Revick through the right program run by Consec. Hence, someone at Consec is working with Daryl Revick. By now, Dr. Ruth is fucking like mind blown. He tells Cameron to access the computer program there at Consect the same way he would access a human nervous system. I I I I love I love I love all this all this building up the 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 split of the main characters. How about all those? How about all those fake ass motherboards that they built for cinematic? Purposes? No, we, no, we didn't get there yet. No, <laughs> but yes, but also the, the the idea behind like the characters getting split up and they have to face this 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 challenge together, but a, but separate where they have to fucking deal with. Cameron's got to explain to Dr. Ruth who he trusts and, and doesn't fully understand his role in all of this because, right. you know, the master doesn't teach the student everything. Duh. But now Kim, who we're not even sure is a scanner, has to deal with Keller working for Revit. Keller interrogates Kim and after some nefarious back and forth involving Keller's gun, because he just brandishes the gun really quick, Kim finally uses her scanner abilities to escape. Keller sounds the security alarm, sends a couple of guards after Cameron and Kim, like, shoot to kill. He even kills the contemplative Dr. Ruth, who is talking to himself about how cold and cruel the right program is. Bruh, this scene... Yeah, it's a good scene. That's a good scene. And for all the hard-on that we have for... uh. Michael Ironside, he he does a really good job as well in this movie. Doctor Ruth, oh, uh, Patrick yeah, for what? Pa- Patrick McGowan, yeah, uh, yeah, for what? Oh, for yeah. what little bit? For what little bit that you know he's there? He he does he, a great job he, as well. Him and him and Ironside and Kelly. carry them. Yeah, they carry it. Yeah, hardcore. Well, there's a uh, the one thing that I noted here is that for as much as they escape this bit, <clears throat> fuck. Okay, the hiccups. <laughs> and, and the hiccups um, <laughs> as much as they escape this place, even when they're out, like they're 
escape seems kind of casual. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop it. It is. I it is I casual, it's though. Casual it's, 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 it's casual. Escape is casual as fuck. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're escaping this empty. Fuck. Hold on, hold on. It's casual. Fuck you. That's another word for yeah. a base casual. <sighs> Somebody fucking talks. I'm just going to hiccup. It's not <laughs> business casual. It's base casual. Um, oh, no, it totally is. But they, but even, <laughs> even when they get out, it's like, we're just like, we're going to go here and we're going to settle in and like somehow. Okay. Now I, now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Christ, fucking Rickles just shit himself. You, you want to go wipe after that? Jesus nah. Christ. Get a spatula. Get a spatula. Let it, let it be. Uh, it don't matter. No, no, just get a spatula out and then like fucking get a lighter and burn that hair off because what the fuck? <laughs> um, no, and so they're like all like just very casually escaping the government institution that has like kept them captive. Hit it this, and, Travis. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not because it's all fucked up now. There's oh. burps and farts. This is the, bur- <laughs> this is the burp and fart episode. Motherfuckers, well, some, welcome some, to the nightclub. Also, some welcome <laughs> to the nightclub. In there too, where yeah. we are the ones who burp with fuck. gastrointestinal issues. We play the kaiju gastrointestinal game. <laughs> <laughs> well, this could be this could be an ad for fucking Xlax and Prozac and um, uh, like all of the fucking like tum 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 tum. Yeah, a little uh. What is the heartburn shit like the omeprazole stuff? We could do that. I mean, we could omeprazole, yeah, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could rock. I used to have to take that every day. Fuck. No, I still do. So, like, welcome to getting older, motherfucker. After after the interrogation scene, Cameron and Kim get away with, um, I don't know, psychologically scarring these guards that see they're like moms or some shit using their scanner powers. Oh like, yeah, yeah, dude, that's yeah, crazy, guy, bro. Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. mom. Oh, that was fucking. You know that what? was actually kind that of is, disturbing. That is yes. every, yes. I was like, Wait every a fucking second. grown man can fucking relate to having pissed off their mother at some point and just yeah. right. that fucking shame feeling. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. Yep. That's what they gave. They gave the mom shame right there, bro. Yep. I like how when it cuts back to them, they're like holding each other. Bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boys are just trying to find some sort of consolement, bro. <laughs> Uh, Cameron and Kim stop in a stolen car at a gas station to fill up, and Cameron uses <laughs> Cameron uses a payphone booth. Yeah, I gotta explain to some listeners what a payphone booth is. Back in the Giz app, when you didn't have oh. a cell phone, you used to stop at this at random spots that had a phone. And there was a box. Yeah, with a phone. You'd go in there and you'd dial a landline. Put some money in, you know, pay phone, pay mm-hmm. phone. You pay to use the phone. It's fucking, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, but it's, so this guy, he pulls out a cord and he plugs an Ethernet jack into his asshole, and then he like <laughs> ties in, ties into this this computer at Consec, and just starts kind of like giving it the business. Let's just say, oh, that's yeah. how he downloads yeah. all the dank memes. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going. Oh, no, there was all that right was, program memes. Oh no, there was. Oh no, that whole thing. That was that whole thing had that, that had black on white, white on black, midget on midget, fisted in the ass, and like yeah. everything, everything, <laughs> and everything, everything that everything that we like, like searched like the edges of Amputee. the internet for. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Stump fuckers. There's lots of stump fuckers up in that thing. Oh, it had, oh it, yeah. It had thal- thalidomide fetish. It had fucking, it had fucking. Uh... <laughs> oh, no. Hey, hey, straight up. After the computer exploded, that's that's how the uh, stuck porn was was invented. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Yep. What are you doing, step bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, get don't it. get don't get that down. I, I love that fucking step porn. That step porn's awesome. Man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This is staying the in. fucking the fucking naughty stepsister and like yeah, you caught me doing something I shouldn't be doing. You know you got to pay, bitch. I, I love that. Stuck. Oh god, got, love- got stuck in the washing machine. Oh no. Yeah. How will I ever get you out of this washing machine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm wearing, I'm wearing an eye patch song. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I'm I'm down. Cameron, yeah. Cameron is using this phone booth to scan the contact database via the landlines. Keller, Keller, Keller knows this is going on. He tells the scientists at contact to like override all this and delete the data, which would delete Cameron's mind in an attempt to kill Cameron, who he suspects is currently consuming all their shit he's right he's right yeah he's up he's all up in there he's in their base killing all their mans after the override is complete cameron reacts by destroying all of the equipment and all of the computers in the lab after the scientists are like trust me there's not going to be any fireworks (laughs) right right it just starts blowing up everywhere scientists Mm -hmm. die Keller gets sent, like, hurling through the fucking door to his death in a frenzy of explosions, which also caused the explosion of telephone lines, and they spark, raining down on the gas station nearby and blowing up their fucking stolen car. This is, like, at this point... The melting telephone is fucking rad. That's that's one of the main things that's always stuck with me about this movie. It's so fucking cool, yes. Yeah. When, when, when Cameron's moving the phone away from his head after downloading all the information, the payphone is just bleeding plastic. That shit, dude, at this point in the film, with, with, with everything that's been going on, the car chases, the shot, the, the, the shootings, the special effects, I'm like, this is way more than I thought this movie would be. Way right. more. Oh, yeah, definitely. With the right program now in Cameron's head, they go to Dr. Franz. He's he's someone who's been distributing and prescribing ephemeral. Uh, I guess he you know he's being paid under the table for sure. Because when they go in there and he's like, "Hey, I got to talk to you about this," he's like, "Oh shit, I got to stop examining you, bitch." Because he has a patient in the room at the same time. Oh, the old guy, the old guy who's sitting there in his fucking drawers, just like, "What's happening?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel so like, like I feel so bad for that old guy. Same. He's just like, eh, I just yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> the guy's just like man like, don't stop <laughs> it's like i was all psyched up for this prostate exam and now i gotta wait great right okay yeah exactly while in the waiting room kim is scanned by an unborn baby in the belly of one of dr fran's patients that 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 shit's creepy bro that's, oh, a, that's a cool yeah. concept fuck yeah no that is that I, just I, the... I wanted them to expand more <laughs> on that concept um because the idea of like, well, there's this little foot, little fetus, little fetus, <laughs> just, just in there, just like, to the outside world, and it's like, and it's like, I might make your head explode because I don't understand what the fuck I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. That's just a cool concept. Babies be blowing minds. Yeah, boy. 
Cam and Kim conclude that the right program is being used to send ephemeral to select doctors that give the drug to pregnant women in order to create new scanners. But before they can act on this, Kim is shot with another fuzzy butt dart, and then they are both captured by Revic outside. Revic just shows up like a boss and says, I'm Walter White. I'm taking full control of the situation. We're here, guys. We're at the finale, basically. So... Back at Biocarbon Amalgamate, the facility run by Revic, Revic, he's he's in his office with Cameron, who's waking up on a couch, and they have themselves a palaver, a long conversation. Revic reveals that Dr. Ruth had invented ephemeral to help pregnant mothers through their pregnancy, but the first round of tests were conducted on Dr. Ruth's own children and wife, resulting in his kids having crazy psionic powers. Those kids were Revic and Vail. Dr. Ruth was their father. Cameron was only tapped for his abilities after being monitored his entire life by his own father. It's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. So Revic offers Cameron the chance to raise an army of scanners with him and rule the world together. But Cam, he's not buying them into this shit. He attacks his older brother, and so they do things the scanner way. And this ends in a psychic showdown with each man trying to overtake the other's own mentality and physicality. With pulsing veins and skin bursting at the blo- <laughs> into blood, the brothers struggle for control in this fight. And it's, it seems that Revic has the upper hand here and causes Cameron to erupt into flames. The imagery in the scene is, it's my God, it's a 10. Yeah. This part's yeah. a 10. Yep. Okay. Like, okay. like pe- people talk about the exploding head scene, and I'm like, why aren't people talking about the psychic fight at the end of this film? Because... Mm-hmm. Oh, the puffing veins, the veins. Yeah, the fucking veins. March, they just march across the face, and then they start to spray blood. Ah, God, that's just awesome. Yeah, that that shit, this shit gave me, and and Revit gets it. He gets the Evil Dead eyes, right? While while powering up into full psychic form, right? When he's going Super Saiyan right there at the end, he's going Super Saiyan psychic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just that that image of him hunched forward tense as fuck with the eyes rolled back and yelling like that's some great imagery great fucking the hands imagery. out great the hand, fucking the hands out the hands out and the flames in the hands yes like, yeah he, he burst he burst all the way into flames but then it's, it's like he's still he's on fire now but he's still like he's still fighting you know and it's like Cameron uh, well in, in that scene I even thought Cameron had a face on him while he was holding the flames in his hands before being engulfed that he had control. No, he I, I did. Got, no, he I, did. He, I got he that had sense. That, I, I, I ate a loaf of bread with Velveeta cheese, and I got to take a shit face like that. Like <laughs> I had clenched up, and I, I'm here to prove a fucking point face. Like he, I totally had that. But then, if you if you watch the whole scene, it's like 
when it gets to the end, it's like the giveaway. Like initially, the giveaway to me is like he was sacrificing himself. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice myself to beat you, and right. and, and, and as long as we're both gone, then things are fine, right? And, and that's, that's where I got. I'm like, oh, okay. So they're both they're both smoked. Okay, yeah. that that's where we arrive at the epilogue here. Kim awakens on a couch in the next room and enters Revik's office. She finds a dried out body lying on the floor, just ash holding itself together after a psychic, just psychic warfare, basically. And from the corner of the room emerges Revik. Only now, the scar on his forehead is gone. The drill that he inserted into himself to relieve the pressure. And he tells Kim, in Cameron's voice, we've won. That scanners from 1981. In a nutshell, in a in a uh, a dirty, nasty sack of a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the nightclub, <laughs> where we burp and fart and poop all over your ears. Um, that last scene, my God, we, we talked about that, but the, the epilogue, the epilogue itself, where it's revealed that there was a a not only a a linking of the nervous system between the brothers but there was a a mind spirit soul transference completely that left Cameron Vale's body in a husk and now he inhabits his more powerful older brother well yep. and that's and that's the whole thing though was he was Revik more powerful in the end yes well no he wasn't though he lost I think well, well he I lost. think I think Cameron this is my thoughts I think Revik was more powerful because yeah, he definitely. was more studious and more learned on what he could do. Yeah. But I think Cameron was kind of a fox. I think Cameron was like, yeah, bro, set me on fire. It's all good. Fuck me all up. And then at the last minute, yep. when Homeboy had his guard down, he was like, there's my back door. Yep. Now we're swapping. I agree. I think that's I, I, what happened. I think, I think Cameron is a sorcerer and Revik is a wizard. And, yeah. and I think, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. Think I no, like that no. analogy. Okay, okay, but I'll tell you what though. I think I think that in the end, in the end, the person that's more willing to sacrifice themselves and like give everything they have to what they believe in is the person who's going to come out on top. And in the end, in this movie anyway, that's what happened. You know, I, th- like I think he, Rev- I think Revik was the same guy, uh, like that same exact guy. To be honest, I think he was willing to do anything to get his to 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 do to accomplish his goal but right i i just i gotta agree with ricky right here like i think he cameron just outsmarted him more than anything yeah yeah that's that's my outlook i I think revic revic is way more powerful he can make people's head explode he can control other people's actions um cameron never did that except for the shotgun guy he did make him produce a vial he was learning though but he was not yet on revic's scale Revik had his eyes flipping backwards into Evil Dead eyes and turning all crazy and and powering up like a fucking Super Saiyan psychic. Yeah, he was way more powerful, but I think Cameron 
through using that. Cameron, that. I think Cameron did like he was like, "Nah, don't throw me in the briar patch, bro. Don't do that. You know? <laughs> like, please don't throw me in the briar patch, Mister." Please well, maybe twist maybe my nipples. Though. Maybe though, but I think I also think that uh, I think that I think that Vale versus Reddick. At the same time, it's like uh, I think I think that I think that Vale showed his willingness to commit to the cause and to like sacrifice everything, whereas Reddick was like, "I'm just gonna win. I'm just gonna win." Yeah, yeah. He was ma- he was way yeah, more headstrong because he was more powerful. Yeah. That's why because he was more powerful. So he thought no matter what he, he told his brother. You're gonna become part of me. I'm gonna suck your brain dry, like, like right. that's it. And, and well, but so that's but that's where he was overconfident. Get, he was overconfident. You're right. You're right. But that's where things get ambiguous because at the very end of it, based on what he had said before, it's almost impossible to tell who won. No, it's not. You, it's no, not. No, the, no, I think it is because you have the no, one, no, one because, guy's body. Eh, all right, all right. You got the you got the one guy's body, but the other guy's voice. So right. Okay. I'll tell you how. The, the the one guy's body gives it away. The scar disappeared. It's it's Cameron. It's Cameron one hundred percent. What that takes you back in time a little bit, but there's there's no saying that he didn't. Uh, know, he, didn't take him, he didn't take didn't take him back to a slightly better place and just be like, well, maybe we'll get us all over uh, and, and start the whole thing over again. Nah, I like my ther- my thoughts better. All right, it, so I'll start us off with our final thoughts and ratings. All right, final thoughts. This movie blew my mind, literally. Like the head scene. I did not expect this level of writing, this level of acting, except for Stephen Lack, because he lacks. But everything it's else. Literally I, in his name. Yeah. Lacking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything else I have no fucking problem with at fucking all. I love the mystery of it, even if it's kind of obvious. I love the, the, the buildup. I love the performances. Magoon and... Uh, fucking Ironside, bruh. They just fucking nail it. They nail it to the wall. They chew it up. They 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 own the scenes they're in. I mean, straight up. That the, Those are the characters I remember the most. Steven Lack, I remember a lot because of how fucking bland. Like, so, to, in a, to a degree, like, even his own bland-ass performance could lend to the story. I have something, I have something to say about that. I'll bring up in my final thoughts. Okay. So, I'll, I'll wrap it up because I, I, I mean, obviously, I love this movie. I think it's fucking great. Cronenberg really is, he well, he's known as the master of body horror, and that ties into cosmicism because when you can tie cosmicism into body horror, for me, that just and, and I'm sure Ricky too, anyone, anyone who fucking knows this shit, it, it's fucking gold. This movie is gold in that regard. Is it a ten out of ten? No, no, it's not. You got some, you got some questionable performances from a couple of actors, two in particular, and you have some plot holes for sure, and some questionable shit going on. But overall, the special effects, the score, the score, god damn, yeah. This movie for me, Scanners, nineteen eighty one, directed by Cronenberg. I'm gonna give it eight and a half. Out of 10. That's where I'm coming in with scanners. A solid 8.5. I really want to push a 9. I really want to. Because I love the imagery so much. In so many scenes. And I love that this movie surprised me a lot. So. I'm going to break my own rule on the nightclub. If I haven't done it before. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to give it an 8.75. 
out of 10. I'm going to, I'm going to give it almost that nine right there at the edge because this movie edged me. Right. Like I was, I was, I was almost there so many times. And then I did come twice. I did. I'm not going to lie. I came twice. So it, it more than edged me. I came <laughs> twice at least. Explains, it explains the hair looking so good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It looks, been, it, look, I, it, look, Vin, it looks like back and just ready to rock. Yeah. Vince Neil gives this movie <laughs> 8.75 out of 10. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, uh, be, be my victim. No, uh, be my, uh, my counterpart that I think you're going to be the, the, the other side of the coin, the flip side that we mentioned from no country from old man. You're the other side of this coin. What's up, sir? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so this movie has some wonderful ideas, some wonderful concepts. Um, in practice, I don't think it's as good as it is in concept. Um, but, it has a lot of strengths. Michael Ironside, the homie, Dr. Ruth. The homie? Yeah. Yeah. Homie. yeah. I love the that. Homie, Dr. Ruth. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's got some, it's got some great acting. It's got some rad effects. Great score. Dude. How awesome is Dr. Ruth for real though? No, Patrick, he's a great, Patrick he's McGowan. a great, he's a great character. Yeah. And he's a great actor too. Yeah. Patrick McGowan. He's I can good. never, I never, ever remember that guy's name, but yeah, he's great. I mean, everything from the exploding head to the awesome psychic fight to the melting telephone. It's just, this movie is full of rad and memorable special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a very unique wardrobe <laughs> look to it <laughs> that always drives me crazy. Um, it, it's a very memorable movie. My issues are with some pacing, mostly. I don't think this movie needs to... And I don't know how long this movie is, but I don't feel like it needs to be as long as it is. It's almost... It, it's it's like an hour 40-something. It's almost two hours. Hour 43. Yeah. I, think, I think they could probably cut five, ten minutes off it easy. For me, the biggest weakness of this film is that it feels like a slog for me. I feel like I have to sit through... I feel like it. I, it's not a chore. It, it's not a chore to watch this movie. Let me preface this by saying any further that I like this movie. I don't love it. I like this movie. It's not a chore to watch, but it's not as much of a joy as it should be. I feel like there's moments that are tens and nines and eights, followed by a bunch of stuff that I just don't care about at all that being said i'm gonna come at this with a i'm gonna come at it with a 6.5 no scratch that i'm gonna come at it with a six. Ooh, went down a i hole. like i like this movie i do like this movie I, I i don't love it as of now but watching it the second time has me feeling like i should revisit it somewhat regularly like maybe annually <laughs> Just to see if something starts clicking different. Slog McGee. I wanted to bring up because I know in the past I've mentioned how acting is not even something I usually care about, like the quality of acting. Well, when everyone else is great and you're the piece of shit, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Like on this last watch, thinking about it, this guy's basically been in a schizophrenic stupor all his life. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. He never really had a chance to develop a personality. Are you, you about to I'm turn saying? me around on my, my? Am I about to give this a fucking nine because you're going to turn me around on the one he thing never, that fucking he hates, never makes a, me hate this movie? He never had a chance to ha- de- really develop a personality. It's kind of like he's waking up for the first time in his life. Yeah. So that being said, I excuse some of that, and and I feel like maybe Cronenberg picked up on this with this guy and said, maybe you're the perfect blank personality <laughs> to play someone with no personality or with a newly developing. Hey, Mr. Vanilla personality. You're the best right. guy for the role. <laughs> you are Mr. Manila folder. That is you. <laughs> you just say guy that we insert shit into to make the plot move forward. But I like your perspective and, a lot. Actually. I never thought about that. I like the fact that even when, even when Revic is now uh, Vale, like <laughs> I thought that was kind of cold, bro. Like he even like cha- like his demeanor, his face, everything. Like how are you gonna act like that, dude, bro? That's kind of cold. <laughs> that ain't right. That's disrespect. But, uh, <laughs> but that's but that's where I justify it, and that actually brings up my score a little bit. Like if I couldn't have justified because, dude, like. Acting, acting never bothers me as much as it does with this guy. I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, never, ever, ever. Well, now it you're talking never... my language again. What you mean? Now, like I, okay. The reason this movie is not higher for me is because the lead actor in this movie is the worst. I'm sorry if you're if anyone out there is listening that's a fan of Stephen Lack or if Mr. Lack, if you hear this, I'm sorry, dude. But you fucking phoned it in. You're made out of wood and plastic. But I, and, I mean, I'm not saying I'm mad at you. I'm no, no, no. I'm not mad. <laughs> at the same time, you gave me a bland, memorable performance that I now cherish. But Ricky just gave me a new perspective on it that I'm like, I'm not going to change my score. I'll keep it where it's at. And I'll rewatch it later from that perspective of like, this guy has been a homeless bum since he was a kid. He doesn't know how to even interact with people. With 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 crippling schizophrenia. You know what I mean? Like this guy's been well, off he's his a, nut. But he's a scanner. He's not a schizophrenic. Right. right. But he might as well have been. You know right. what I mean? Like he right. can't he can't separate his thoughts from anyone else's before mm. Dr. Ruth gets a hold of him. Doctor and that dude, that's so dark. His dad was like, "Yeah, fuck these kids. I'll just watch them until it's time." Like that, that, that made. So I love Doctor Ruth up until that reveal by Revic at the end. Like that was like, "Fuck Doctor Ruth, bruh. Fuck what the fuck, Doctor Ruth? You He's were a great so character. He is a great character. All right, so I, I've, I'm coming in with the eight point seven five. Ricky's coming in with a six. Grindhouse, how did you feel about Scanners this time around? Uh, well, you know what? I'm also at a six, um, characters for me. Um, seriously, we, uh, the, you know, Stephen Lack's character, he was a fucking, he was a piece of Amazon cardboard for most of this movie. Um, <laughs> and, and I say that like it's bad, but it's actually not because I know what to expect from Amazon cardboard. I know what to expect. Um, he had a couple of shiny moments. That were that were pretty good. A couple of moments that were like super bad. Um, but the idea 
the idea of, um, you know, going out to your local mall or your local skating rink or your uh, local pizzeria or whatever else. And there's somebody there that can like, like fuck with you like that. Like, I love that. Like, I, I love it, you know, cause you know, in, in this world right now, the way we're at, people are, people are so people, <laughs> people, people are people. <laughs> well, but, but people right now, people are so shitty right now. People just, people just suck. People will steal your shit and take your shit and do, I mean, and, and for nothing. Like, like literally for nothing. I mean, and this is, this is, um, this movie is, it kind of reminds me of um, the visitors from, was it 87? I think you guys remember the visitors? No. Come down. No, I haven't seen it. No. The, the alien pieces come down and there's, and they're reptilian and whatever else. <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of that where <laughs> like, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't really tell who's who. Um, and you don't really know until they're like they're three fingers deep in your ass and tell like 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 who's what doing what. Well, and there's Ricky going like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, now well now we know who's who, don't we? Do. Um, anyway, um, I like this movie. I've I've liked it since the first time I saw it, like in the early eighties. Um, th- there are scenes in it that are just fucking magical between the exploding head, the like maniacal shotguns in the barn on the artist guy. Uh, yeah. Those are, those are absolutely great. But at the very end when they're, when they're like having their psychic battle and they yeah. got like veins going and there's blood spraying out and there's I, like, I planes. don't understand how people don't talk about that scene more because yes, the exploding head is great. It is, but this scene is equally in my opinion. And it's so great. much more cinematic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more. Go- well, Ooh, ooh. It's more cinematic, in my opinion, bro. Okay, okay. No, well, no, I mean, is. there's it a is. lot. There's a, there's a big the exploding head. The exploding head is awesome. There's a big there's a big buildup in the exploding head too, though. That's so, what I'm saying. I don't well, know. There, well, there is there is, but you don't know what's coming though. You, I mean, I, you know, I think you, uh, I didn't know what well, was coming in either scene, to be honest. Because well, I, well, okay, I don't true, but this is 1981 though. 1981, so you know you don't know what's coming then. You know, and to have that head explode the way that it did and just splatter fucking everything, I don't think anybody. Full Gallagher. I don't think any, exactly. Yeah, the fucking <laughs> the watermelon, the water, just the <laughs> watermelon. Yeah, that's exactly what that was. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, like, in, like even if it's, I, I didn't. I mean, I can remember being like being young and just being like, "What's happening?" It's and, full and, Gallagher. And, and, and and for me, for what? Well, but for me at the time though, like knowing horror the way that I did then. I was expecting like a full blown nosebleed, and the guy just falls over dead, right? But then his his fucking head exploded. I mean, like, like wow. I mean, like, there's there isn't a moment that's going to surpass that. You know, there's nothing that like anybody's done then or since that's just like has shocked me that much as that moment did. So you know, I love that. But like the whole story and just to me, the beauty of this story, like the, the like the like if you were to sum it all up in one thing, is like at the end of the day. I still really have no idea what's going on. I, I still don't know like what the purpose of the whole thing is. And as much as that irritates me a little bit like that, there's a part of me that like, like it keeps the magic alive. Like I don't like, okay. So you sound these, like you like this more than a six. Um, You know what? You've talked to me enough that you know what a six is for me. A six is a six. Well, six is a pretty good fucking yeah, show. That's true. Six that's is true. a pretty good showing. For, for I like anyone this who movie. doesn't know, um, uh, 
not listen if any listeners don't listen to the Joe Blow Horror Show, Grindhouse does not give out tens. He does not. And okay. so for for something to be he, he is a stickler in his rating system. For him to give something a six is praise. It's praise. Yes. High praise. Yep. Same, same as over here at the nightclub. Like yeah. six is solid. It's a solid chub. You got it going on. Right. It's right there. It's there. It's doing its thing. Rickles is the fucking the Tennessee top hat king of tens. I mean, he I just, just like I, 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 I <laughs> tend to. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree <laughs> I, with that. I'm gonna disagree <laughs> with that, and I've made this point. I think I think I'm actually the king of tens, and I think <laughs> I I think our best of uh best of years episodes have proven that. I've been giving them tens out I'm, left and right. I'm more likely I'm more likely to give a ten to something that's like had more time to set settle. You know what I mean? Like like when I've well, seen some when I've only seen something once, like for well, a, a, well, a top list or something, I'm not as pers- likely to per- give it a perspective 10. here. Perspective. Okay. This is this is perspective. Now no, Ricky's, like, call, Ricky's I, calling me out on my bullshit right here because he knows he knows no, I only well, seen this film once, and I'm like, oh, gut reaction. <laughs> well, okay, well, well fa- fair enough, fair enough, okay. But when it comes to horror, I mean, for me, and this is just me, you guys can tell me to go fuck myself or whatever. Bring go it, fuck yourself. Go uh, fuck yourself, Grindhouse. I, it, but I love about, you. Give, give me about ten minutes. I hate your ass. And, and, go fuck and, and, and then I'm gonna go to bed. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and I'm gonna pretend that that Tennessee top hat is a glazed donut, okay? Just so you know. Um, so, so, God so damn. I, so I factor. So horror, horror is in, is unlike any other movie genre ever. Okay, it's it it is absolutely unlike any other horror genre. True. Horror is how you feel in the moment that you feel it, and what it does for your life at that moment. But there is also a place where when someone says, hey, and one of your friends, like one of your friends says, you should watch this. And you're like, yeah, okay. I want to watch that. Because like I'm looking at my list right now, and I'm, I'm going down, I'm scrolling down to Gator Bait. Okay? I think somebody know, somebody on this show might know who recommended Gator Bait to me. Okay? Yeah. So we I have Gator I have Gator Bait. I have Gator Bait. <laughs> I have Gator Bait. Well, but I have – but I have, but I have Gator Bait at a five, okay. Yeah. And I will admit that there probably is one point of liking that, just because one of my friends recommended it to me. But at the same time, like I probably never would have watched that if Ricky didn't yeah. say you should watch this shit just because it's so fucking bad. It's awesome. And right. so I mean, but that's like the whole point of everything that I do when it comes to horror. It's like. If if I can't share it with somebody, it has no fucking meaning for me. It has no meaning. You know, I, I wow, I agree with that. I feel I never, you 100% I never, I never on thought that. of that before. Like I feel you hundred percent on that grind. Yeah. Wow. Yes, exactly. Like the I've been doing that since I was twelve. Like trying to share movies I love with people. I never thought that I never had that connection, like what you just said, like that if I didn't want to share it it would have no meaning like if because you're right i don't share movies i don't care about with people that i care about so i think that yeah man that that god damn yeah you're kind of blowing my mind right now with that (laughs) i will i will never pretend for a second that i'm going to absolutely get everything that you guys suggest because there's some there's been a couple of guys suggested i'm just like i've watched them i've just been like 
what the fuck is wrong with these idiots? Okay. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, like by far, it's like I've watched something and it, it wasn't something that by the box art or by whatever else that I would have normally like got onto, but it's like, you watch it and you're just like, and from, from the horror perspective and no one's going to see this on your episode, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck, yeah. Like I totally love this, you know? I mean, and yeah. I, and that's, that's what I get from this whole thing. I mean, and that's why people, people that listen to this, people that watch horror movies, do whatever else need to keep sharing things with their friends. Cause because you're going to find some obscure shit. You're going to find some weird stuff. You're going to like shit that was made by some guy that what I hate to say this, but like lives in fucking Iowa is going <laughs> to like make in his back fucking yard, but it might be awesome, you know? Right. And, and that's like the whole thing. It's like the whole fucking point. I mean, people that, people that love horror movies, I think are a, the salt of the fucking earth. They're absolutely the salt of the fucking earth. They are the most realistic about where our society is going. And they're also the most able to accept that things aren't going to go the way that I thought they were, but I'm going to fucking adapt anyway, you know? So, I mean, you know, for me, that's what horror is. Horror is like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And and how can you survive a fucking scan from the scanners? I mean, really, uh, there's no way to do it. There isn't. No, no, there's not. But you know what? I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm going to nosebleed. I'm going to do whatever else. I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> You know? You're going to leap over excavators gonna, and get shot by them fuzzy-ass butt darts. I'm going to go the more of the veil route, and I'm going to shit it myself. But <laughs> right at right as I'm doing that, I'm going to switch minds with you. That way you now have to live in my body that just shitted itself. Okay. That That's should my be, plan. That should be fun. That should be fun watching fucking T-Boo try to run the bed factory and fucking Rickles try to run a bobcat. That should be fucking great to watch. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going it, to, it's like jackass 7.0. That should be, that oh. should be awesome. <laughs> that should be awesome. That scanner is 1981. I'm coming in with an 8.75 out of 10 that I really want to give a nine. I should. Just, no. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, no. no Today's not the day to do it. No, fuck you. It's a nine out of ten. From uh, Ricky and Grindhouse both come in at sixes, and this movie and, is and, and 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 with room to grow someday. You know, I yeah. mean that that goes without saying. Yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah, we all have room to grow and room to also depreciate in value. I mean, I might watch this movie two years from now and be like, no, no, I yeah. I saw this the wrong way. But right now, <laughs> this is where we stand. Guys, I've had a blast talking about this film, talking about telekinesis, talking about the ripping riffs. All right, Grindhouse, thank you so much for fucking jumping in at the last second when we needed someone to really fucking fill in the gaps. Love you so much, man. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being my friend. Like, for real. Filling in the gaps. I'm just going to call myself cock from now on. I'm just cock. Can I just be cock? <laughs> that's why do I fill in the gaps? <laughs> you did more than fill in the gaps, sir. They're bursting at the seams. Um, Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Invited everyone to be. Oh. You would yeah, I... see the biggest gift would be from me 
With a card that's simply red. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) Speaking of thank you for being a friend, I'm going to make it official and say that you should put Black Mountainside at the top of your two-watch list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because if you haven't seen Black Mountainside by Mr. Nick Shostakowski, that is... Tibu, one of Tibu and I's, I'd say probably top five cosmic horror yeah. movies oh, of yeah. all time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's Easily. definitely in my top five. Easily, cosmic easily, movies. it's on the list. It's on the list. And if and once you once you watch it, you go listen to whatever the episode is named where we cover it. Tentacle Roundhouse. Tentacle Roundhouse, and yeah. you'll understand why Golden Girls are cosmic. You know what? Hey, I'll tell you what. I I, I listen to both of y'all, and um, I my list my list tends to be short because I just ain't got that much time. But I've I've watched shit that both of you suggested, and I haven't been disappointed. So, you know, I well, you'll love this movie. You will. Okay. Trust, right. trust, trust Rickles. Trust me. Yeah, we we had the director on the show. Thank God for Nick Shostakovsky. We need to get him on back show. on, man. Oh, we he's will. a rad dude. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. He's a fucking rad dude. Crazy Canuck. Embrace woke culture with your ephemeral. <laughs> <laughs> All the nightclub. We watch some bomb-ass shit. Mm-hmm. We, have whoop, some bomb- whoop, whoop. we have some bomb-ass conversations. With both Vince Neil and the sweetest Tennessee top hit ever. <laughs> Stay spooky. Like Rock! Daryl Rock! Up and around this world, yet I'll see no end. All self-hate
Ape shit spaghetti pot. Oh, 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 a big old pot full of ape shit spaghetti, bro. I wish, <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish I could name the episodes. Like, I wish I could put curse words in them, um, yeah. because that that would definitely be a contender right there. That would right be there. a good one, yeah. Ape shit spaghetti <laughs> scanners. Ape's big old, big old, <laughs> quote unquote, in parentheses, scanners. <laughs>